0: Yes, we are. We are, we are ready. We are, we are ready. All right, that, we are, we are ready. What? What's going on? Can you shut the door?
1: Carol Brady.
0: Everybody, this is Origins and Adaptations. Episode 70. Episode 70. I am Andrew. What's that, Chris? Seven-zero. (laughs) Seven-zero. You know, the big old number. Sorry, we all spoke at the same time, and I couldn't hear Chrissy. Ah, a beautiful Chris. Chrissy. We like to hear his voice. You're beautiful. You're beautiful.
1: You're beautiful. It's true. You know, you sound just like James Bond. Yeah,
0: I know. (laughs) I practice every day.
1: Only I like your voice more. Yeah, oh, same. Thank you. Uh, thank Honestly, you. <laughs> not a fan of his voice, dude. Beautiful. He he quickly became one of the most mocked and hated vocalists of all time for that one song because the it's true, <laughs> saw your like people just I saw your face. Yeah, exactly. I think Take people hated that place. so much because it was so overplayed.
0: Just
1: can't
0: hear you. Yeah. I Chris yeah, is like, that's yeah. enough. <laughs> to be fair, I loved
1: that song in like seventh grade when. Oh yeah. You know,
0: when that was your life. When that was. When that life. was. That was
1: true. It's a pretty melody, but after you hear it repeated so many times, you realize his voice is really like agonizingly. <laughs>
0: what what <laughs> other one did he do that was Annoying. really
1: popular? He did have one other hit, didn't he? Yeah.
0: There was I, that one, and then. Oh. I don't remember. Not, I don't really not care. Not that it matters, but no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so we got a good show for we you guys today. got a good today. one.
0: Let's, you know, Cody, mm-hmm. today's a pool, and we're just going to jump right into it. Uh, feet first. Feet fast. First, starting with some Doom Patrol news. Uh, for those who do not know, Doom Patrol is a comic book that started on Vertigo. Actually, it might have started on DC and then went to Vertigo. I don't believe you. Uh, and it was a group of... Kind of uh, supernatural. Mm -hmm. I think you're actually right. (laughs) uh, Supernatural team who dealt with things that the Justice League didn't want to deal with. So like the weird and out of, like just the weird stuff. Uh, So one of the characters, his name is Robot Man. And he was a race car driver who got in an accident on, like, while racing, and pretty much his body burned alive, but they kept his brain and put it in a robot suit, Mm -hmm. and so he's robot man. Uh, Brendan Fraser is playing him. That's awesome. I am so excited. I like Brendan Fraser. Yeah, this is, like, the first time he's been on the screen in a long time. Yeah. Uh, Alan Tiddick is playing playing Mr. Nobody, uh, who is the bat—he's one of the main— Doom Patrol bad guys. Okay. Uh and that uh, that's a good casting as well. I think he'll do an incredible job. Um but so I'm just excited. Uh Doom Patrol will be with Swamp Things and Titan or Swamp Thing and Titans on the DC exclusive streaming service. There is also a small clip that they showed of uh Young Justice season three with mm-hmm. Nightwing like uh infiltrating a like a smuggling ring. It was pretty cool. Cool. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited for Doom Patrol to actually be happening. Uh, I know there's going to be some tie-ins with the Titans TV show, which I'm still not excited about. Um, yeah. I don't know what it was
1: besides just the, you know, F-Batman thing, but...
0: Well, that-, that to me and Starfire's whole look just looks off. Yeah. But, uh, moving on... Uh Lois Lane is a, a character. Uh she is coming to uh this I think she's coming to the Supergirl TV show uh on the C D W. They like did a whole official announcement. And though. this is
1: gonna be a new woman playing Lois Lane, right? Yes, oh, I think okay. for like
0: the sixtieth time. Uh, like we talk about how many Spider man there are and how many Batman there are. Uh, I feel like there's been more Lois Lane's than anything. Yeah, there has. Yes. Definitely. Yes. Absolutely uh,
1: entirely. I mean What, five that I can think of?
0: Because was Margaret Kidder? Oh, God, you have
1: the old TV show that we never even talk about with George Reeve. Yeah. Or, pardon me, George Reeves, and then there's Christopher Reeve. But um, anyways, the the gal who played Lois Lane on that, who was a blonde Lois Lane,
0: incidentally. And then we have Margaret Kidder. Mm -hmm. And then we have Amy. Amy Adams. Amy Adams. Do not forget
1: uh, Kate. What, What was her name? In was it wasn't it Kate Beckinsale in Superman Returns?
0: Yes, and then you have Lois Lane in the Smallville TV show, right? And then you have Lois Lane in the Supergirl TV show that's happening
1: right now. Oh, we're missing a very very big name: Terry Hatcher, Lois and Clark. Oh, Lois and Clark. Is that seven? So that's seven.
0: That's seven Loises. Holy Lois. crow! There's been a lot of them. There's been a lot of them. Uh, Who's your favorite?
1: Like as.
0: You Lois? know, people hate on Amy Adams, but I actually really like her, Lois. You like her, Lois? I like her, Lois, in the sense that she is what a news journalist would be. Like, yeah. there is the, the classic Margaret Kidder who kind of plays, like, the stereotypical Lois of the damsel in distress, mm-hmm. but I've always enjoyed the aspect that Lois knows what field she's in, gets herself in these positions, but is, like, she's strong-willed. She isn't like a, oh, no, what's happening to me? It's, she is, like, she's the one who's going to get the story out of someone because of her her strong will and her persistence and her character.
1: Yeah, um...
0: The but one, that does not mean I liked her in Batman versus Superman.
1: No, no, I I will stick up for Margot Kidder and say that even though she was the damsel in distress, she was actually a pretty hard nosed journalist. She actually wasn't afraid to. There's actually a couple scenes um in the first couple movies that she was in where she actually is interviewing people. There's at least one scene where she's interviewing someone like in a car and she's asking the guy some pretty hard questions about um. She's it's it's the San Diego fault line. Okay. In yeah, in yeah, the yeah. first one. Yeah, anyway, so I guess what I'm saying is like, yeah, she was the damsel in distress, but I thought she played the reporter pretty well. Also, um that version of uh Lois Lame was the one that introduced that Lois is a great interviewer and reporter and a great storyteller, but not great with spelling.
0: Yes. And I, <laughs> I
1: liked that. I thought that was cute. Yeah how she's asking Jimmy Olsen, hey, uh, how do you spell massacre? And he's like, M-A-S-S-A-C-R-E. And she's like, oh, R-E, thank you. And just, yeah. I just remember that part so vividly. And then he goes, golly, Miss Lane, how come you get all the great stories? And she's like, a good reporter doesn't get great stories, Jimmy. A good reporter makes them great.
0: Oh. And it's
1: just like, I don't know. just yeah, It just feels so Superman-ish. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, Amy Adams is a great, I thought she was a, a pretty decent cast for, for uh, Lois. It was more just, the way the movie was handled,
0: correct. I and that's my thing with all of the DC movies is I think the casting, except for Ezra Miller, yeah, uh, is on point. It's the way the characters are being written, yeah, and the stories are being written. I feel at one point I mi- I might have
1: said that I didn't like Amy Adams as Lois Lane, and and I actually I take that back. I I think that she would be
0: yes I, I with think... the right material. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Because. She pretty much plays Lois Lane in the movie Arrival, where she's she's a doctor. I haven't seen Arrival. It's it's mind bending, but it's really good. Like I probably really should watch stuff. that one. Kind of blew our minds when I watched it. Um, yeah. Uh, Hans Zimmer. For some reason, I put Hans Zimmer, but Hans Zimmer is going to be doing the- Let's Wonder- pretend that's his real name. Yeah, Hansen. Hansen. Hansen Zimmer is going to be doing the Wonder Woman uh, sequel score. Uh, so once again, Hans Zimmer is coming back into the fold for the DC uh, the DC
1: soundtracks. Now, um, Backpedal, is this a return? Did he do the first one?
0: No, but he- I didn't he, think so. He did- Man of Steel, mm-hmm. and I think he did BVS. I don't know. And of course, all the Nolan films. Yes. Um. But
1: uh, so he is doing the score for this Wonder Woman sequel. Yes. That could be pretty badass. What did you think of? So, what did you think as a whole of the original Wonder Woman? Or not original, but I mean, actually, yeah, this is the first live action Wonder Woman film. Yes. There, there was a TV show back
0: in the day, but so and then w- there was a pilot like four or five years ago.
1: Yeah, but what did you think of the first Wonder Woman uh, theme?
0: Oh, it's incredible! It's I my, thought it was really cool. It's my favorite DC theme, like uh, uh, the new, oh, the new stuff. Over the okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. current. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna
1: say there's got, too you many. You got the
0: Superman and you got the Batman. The ba- oh, yeah, 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 you got good ones. I'm well, also a huge fan of the Nolan themes as well.
1: But you're forgetting one very important score: Green Lantern.
0: Oh, it's so good. I remember every note. Yeah,
1: <laughs> just <laughs> like right. I remember every
0: line of that movie. I'll stop uh, being a
1: facetious prick.
0: No, <laughs> uh, I really liked that score, and I really hope Hans Zimmer can bring his own his own touch to
1: it. I'm curious to see if he keeps it kind of the same with that really simple
0: you, badass you theme. Need, yeah, you need to have that. And like, yeah. It's, I think it's here's really my one cool. take though. That theme wasn't played enough in the movie. No. Like, at all. No, it was mostly a trailer thing, wasn't it? Yeah, well, it was in BVS. Yeah, and, and, it, it, and they used it, in, they used it they in the trailer, right? They used it in the yeah. trailer. But I remember it specifically from BVS mm-hmm. when she's like, she's like, I've fought monsters before. Yeah. And then, like, that that song goes and, like, she starts running. I was like, it was the only time in the whole movie that I was like, Oh man, I'm so excited <laughs> yeah. about what's happening right now. And then it got lame after that. But yeah. uh her whole part in that movie I thoroughly enjoyed. I've got a question for you. Yeah. Because we've both
1: had um negative things to say about the the final acts from both these two movies and uh-huh. both both these two movies that I'm about to mention uh including Wonder Woman were pretty big uh as far as just like social Importance, I should say. So, between Black Panther and Wonder Woman, which do you think had the weaker final act? Black Panther. You thought so? Yes. I would, I kind of, I kind of agree, even though you, you and Ben really, uh, finally coaxed me into agreeing that Aries was
0: dog crap. I feel it's weird to coax you. I feel like enlightened <laughs> is a good, no. Uh, but yeah, maybe no. it may, maybe enlightened. No, no, no. I'm, more, positive, I'm kidding. Coaxed, more positive. Coax works. <laughs> uh, no Wonder Woman's end battle was still really fun and pretty like that whole that whole third isn't the it's not horrible it's to me it was just I, just I need, the actor I knew he was going to be Ares and the fact that there was no change to it okay but when he had the suit and when you didn't focus on the mask mm-hmm. like he looked like Ares like he looked cool I thought the outfit um, looked cool too and I I hate how she defeated him. To me, that was the stupidest thing. But all of that is better than, to me, is better than the the finale of Black Panther. Is it because of the CG? The CG is one thing where it's like, it's just two CG characters fighting each other, and I can tell. Mm -hmm. Like, I know that most of the fights in superhero movies are CG characters fighting each other, but it's when, it's like, I can say in my mind this is actually happening because it looks really good that's when it's fine with black panther i could just tell that it was just all cg like yeah it was it was not good and then i i don't know how other people feel about this but i felt the battle in wakanda was so lame and the one reason is because the people who are dying and it brings me back to star wars episode 8 the people who are dying are people we don't know about Mm-hmm. Like, we don't care. We haven't seen these. And since, once again, they're CG characters, yeah. To like our mind just goes, okay, they're, they're cannon fodder. Like, these are the people that are just being thrown. Mm-hmm. If you actually showed people, like, in Lord of the Rings, where they have real actors in this fight scenes, they're dying. You can kind of see the gruesomeness of that. And you see, like, these are actual people. It's more intense. It's
1: it's a more visceral experience to watch. And so in your mind, you're going,
0: these are actual people who are dying. Whereas with Black Panther, they had a CG rhino attacking CG people who at multiple points you don't even see die. You just see their bodies on the ground. Yeah. And so I understand there's that whole mentality of that's just war, like you don't know everyone. Mm. But as that would be true if I was inside of that, and that's not true. If I was in that war... I would know the people whose side I'm on, That they would be people I knew. Um, as a viewer from the outside, if you're trying to show me as a as a filmmaker, if you're trying to show me uh destruction and the uh the fall. The emotional weight of it. Yes. Yeah. It's you have to show me those things. Because as a viewer, I'm just going to, you know. It's just going to go over my head, and that could be a very simpleton way of thinking. But that's a challenge I put to filmmakers, even though they never hear me, like no one's ever <laughs> going to. No filmmakers are like, what Andrew says is pretty good. <laughs> uh, no, but that is a challenge that I have for myself to have. Like yeah. if a filmmaker is able to draw naturally draw that from me without me having to do a deeper context insight, mm. uh, to me that is good filmmaking. If you don't, when do they that, just make you care. Yes, if you don't do that, you could have a cool fight scene, and I'll say it's pretty cool. But it's not going to bring anything out of me. Yeah, it's why I love movies like John Wick, where you're seeing him, you're seeing Keanu Reeves interact with all the people, and it's like he. Like it to me, it's visceral just because I feel like these are actual people who are dying, mm-hmm. and and not in a sense of like taking reality out of like bringing in reality, but it's just a immersing me more into the context of the story, into the universe, and that's just something that the ending of Black Panther did not do. Um, whereas I feel like Wonder Woman did a little bit more, especially I really like the uh, the village scene. Where she's in the, I liked, even though there was too much slow motion, I liked the room where she took out all the guys in the room. Oh, yeah. And I liked Chris Pine's, like, shotgun, like, full-on blitz that he does. Yeah. Uh, that was really good. And then I liked her fighting in the alleyway. Uh, yeah, that was
1: that was great. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So all of that, and the real reason that I was able to have that connection is because they weren't using CGI as much or the CGI was just better um, in those moments. So that is why I would say that the Wonder Woman ending is better than the Black Panther
1: ending. Yeah, I would agree. What's our next bit of news, Andrew?
0: Next bit of news is uh, James Gunn's Guardian of the Galaxy. No way. <laughs> is put on hold. That's all I'll say. Okay. Uh, but the Good grief. <laughs> I You're going to kill us. I wanted to, I wanted to put that in just for you. Ah. Uh, no, but it has been put on hold, which might interfere with some plans for other movies. Well. Um, But that's all we'll say. We've said a lot about this. Um, Dominic Mahamagan and Matt Smith are going to be in Episode nine of Star Wars. Uh, for those who do not know, Dominic plays Mary in the Lord of the Rings movies, who is oh, okay. one of the hobbits. And then Matt Smith was the 11th Doctor. From Doctor Who. So he's like, he's he's known in so the names. nerd community. Definitely. There are people who are speculating that Matt Smith is going to play Thrawn. And these are, once again, people who don't pay attention to anything outside of the movies. Because Thrawn is already in the Star Wars universe. Right. And his character is really important in the story he's in. And the last we see of him, he's getting hyperspaced out by octopus whales. That sounds really weird. Yeah, Uh, without context. (laughs) Yeah, but he's being hyperspaced out by octopus whales um, with a a Jedi. And, And that's the last we've seen of it. And so it would be weird to bring him in this movie if we've never, like... That's the last we saw, and that was supposed to happen right before episode four, or right before Rogue One, and so it's weird to have that, and then in episode nine, just have him come out and be like, oh, yeah, I'm here, and I do think that he could play a Chiss. I think that would be cool if they brought in the Chiss Empire.
1: Are people speculating this because of the way he looks then?
0: Yes. Okay. He's, He's tall. He has an elongated face. Yeah. But the thing is none of the actors that we've ever speculated, that anyone's ever speculated, end up being who they are. No, never. And this is something that I was talking to Kevin about, and it's always the worry of bringing big names into the Star Wars movies because that means we're going to give them pointless characters that nothing's going to happen with. Well, I mean, so you you kind of brought something up that I've
1: been thinking about for a while. I think you're, you're a couple steps ahead of, of the game because... The you know the, the creators of the last Star Wars film, the main saga, not Solo. Yeah, um, killed off. They've killed off several characters that we just or or have harmed or you know tried to do emotional things with characters that we didn't know before, like Laura Laura Dern's character yeah. Admiral Haldo. Yeah, like and Rose's
0: sister at the beginning.
1: Yeah. Okay. Good. Perfect. Two examples, yeah. and n- I can't really feel much for her dying in the in the the hyperspace bullet scene because we didn't really get to know her. And when we did get to know her for a, a second, her character she, was bad. She was kind of a jerk. Yeah. And, or at least pretending to be one. And yeah. it was kind of too little, too late for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think what you're saying is like, um, if they were doing it right, they wouldn't bring in a character like Thrawn at the wrong time.
0: Correct. But they could.
1: <sighs> Cody, I just don't, uh, that's what I'm saying. Oh, that
0: would hurt so bad. Yeah. Especially as a it's weird because to me every other media in Star Wars but the main movies mm. are the best part. Like the comics are good, the the animated TV show is good, the books aren't the greatest. The books are very hit and miss. Yeah, there are some that are really good and there are some that just aren't. Uh but I feel like that's always been Star Wars. Yeah. Um No, but the comics and the animated show are really good. And before, they were like those things were good. Like, I'm not saying they weren't, but the movies were the main focus. Yeah. But now it's getting to the point when, like, I see episode nine news. It's like, I don't, I don't really care. Like, just let me see the movie when it comes out. And that's all I'm really in for. One thing, though, do you think if you're going to introduce a character like Thrawn into a movie,
1: does it really matter what they did with him last in the TV show if the movies are the main time frame, the main focus? if Does it really matter what they did with, like, a younger Thrawn? Or, I don't know. Like, it seems like that could be... If,
0: if they left it off where Thrawn went... He went off and did his own thing. Like, to me, that would make more sense. But this is a Thrawn who is hyperspaced with, like... Against his will, with a Jedi into outer space. Yeah. Into somewhere else that no one knows where they are. And I will say that, as if it's just the main movies, yes, they have the whole opportunity to do that. That's totally cool. Mm-hmm. What's not cool is if Lucasfilm did it because they have this canon and they have this story uh that is set up and to just completely ignore it and throw a character in to me that is it's going to be weird saying this but that would be more grievous than anything they did in episode 8 yeah just because in episode 8 it was out of character stuff but those were still characters that we had already been with um and characters who weren't in other parts of the of the canon to take a story that one of their Their head, Uh, Filoni, Dave Filoni is like one of the biggest names at Lucasfilm. A story that he created and left open-ended for his team to take and do more stuff with, Uh to take that and to ruin it with one of the movies, to me is disrespectful. And I would, I think I would stop watching all Star Wars stuff. (laughs) I don't even know if Thrawn needs to be in this saga at this point. He doesn't need to be.
1: No. Not with the way they started it.
0: No. But no, if they do that, if they do that, then yes, I I didn't do it with episode 8 cuz I I kind of believe that they will redeem something with episode 9. But if they brought him in for episode 9, I Star Wars Star Wars except for the original trilogy would be done for me. Like yep. I'd be done. Do you know who's writing offhand the next script for episode 9? Yeah. Uh, it's J.J. Abrams and one other dude.
1: I knew Abrams was on the project, but I wasn't yeah. sure who the other writer was. Uh,
0: you know, cause they you know went with two writers instead of one this time.
1: Oh well, I don't have a problem with that because you know what else was? Episode four had multiple writers, and I believe five did too. And those you could argue are the and two best. Episode Star six Wars. did as well. Or did it? Did it? I don't know. if You might be right. But I know for a fact that episode four had multiple writers. Correct. And multiple editors. Oh, yes. And that's – see, to me, this is why I actually want Lucas back on Star Wars. And what I want everyone to do is just – Derek. Every, everyone needs to get hip to the Star Wars scheme. And what made the original trilogy scheme work was the fact that you had a brilliant world creator like Lucas mm-hmm. filtered through all the great editors and people who helped him tell his story. Yeah. And I think we need I think we kind of need that. I, I kinda want Lucas I, I wish Lucas was part of the project still. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't want him totally out anymore. I think I don't know. I, I've discussed this with a few people, and I, I actually think that even though I lost my faith in Lucas because of the prequels, I think if we had Lucas back, but we had other people writing and filtering him, I would really, really dig that.
0: I think he doesn't want to do it anymore, though.
1: I know. Yeah. It's just, it, this is just, this is like a pipe dream, you yeah. know? It's just, it just as a Star Wars
0: fan, I'd like to see... See, and that is something that I... It come back. That is something that I wish they would bring Dave Filoni on for the movies, because Filoni, for those who do not know was was the apprentice of george lucas like he trained under george for writing and storytelling especially with star wars and he even came out just recently when people were asking him about like the new show and all this stuff and he said the best thing to do when writing a star wars story is to go back to the source and the center of it all he said and that is george lucas mhm that's what he said uh he he gave george lucas high praise he loves george lucas um and it, for as much as nerds and fan like nerds get on george lucas is case and it's because they know he's better than what he gave and i i will i yeah. will say that because you know what it's like it's like it's like a basketball
1: player with his head in the clouds because of whatever reason, it's like it's like someone
0: not performing up to their ability. To me, it's like Kobe, o- Kobe Bryant. No, Kobe, Co- Kobe Bryant. Kobe Kobe, Kobe, Kobe O'Brien. O'Brien. Kobe O'Brien. <laughs> Kobe Bryant. Bryant. For the past like what five or six years of his career, of his career, he wasn't. Like, yeah. And then his last game, he like shoots like 50, 60 points. Yeah, he scored. Which, uh, which I over, will, over 60 We're going points. to sports right now, but I will adamantly believe that the other team went easy on them so that way he could have a really good game for his last game as a respect towards a legend. You think so? Yeah. I buy that. I, I agree with you. Like you're probably right. He also shot a ton of baskets and missed a bunch. Well, it's that's like, that's most of Kobe's <laughs> career. Kobe.
1: Uh Don't get me wrong. I like I, I I like uh well, I don't like Kobe at all, but I think he How would I put it? I love, I love to watch him shoot. I think he was a great player, very very uh Amazing player to watch, but let's be honest, he never saw a shot he didn't like.
0: (laughs) It's true. Uh, The writer, his name is, the co-writer for episode nine, his name is Derek Connolly. Let me give you some little goodies of his writing, Cody. I'd like to hear. Number one, safety not guaranteed. He wrote the screenplay. Oh, really? That was a really good movie. I that, enjoyed it. That it was, was one of the first independent movies that I ever liked. It's fun. Uh, <clears throat> Jurassic World. Uh, monster Trucks. You know, that great movie about the monster trucks that are aliens. That's a like a children's movie. Mm-hmm. That was really bad. Kong Skull Island, which also had a subpar <laughs> screenplay. Uh, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Those are it before he wrote episode nine. Well, there's always room for improvement. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think J.J. Abrams is the main writer. And so I think it's, you know, <laughs> I don't know. And a hush falls <laughs> over the <laughs> room. Yeah. E, you know, I'm like pulling my collar right e- now. Uh, so, you know, it can be whatever. Uh, Tom Hardy has signed on for three more Venom movies. Oh great! Yep, that's uh, that's happening. Huh. Alec Baldwin to play Thomas Wayne in the Joker's. Alec Baldwin is Thomas Wayne, and he has officially backed out. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Wait, wait, wait. it wait, wait, was wait. announced that he was going to be in the, going to be Thomas Wayne in the Joker's. And then he and, backed out, and literally, I would say like five hours later, it, there <laughs> was a headline that said Alec Baldwin no longer playing Thomas Wayne, in the Joker's. <laughs> okay, well that happened. Yep. that happened. And then finally, to end it all, I feel like this one can have its own. Is Wesley Snipes is in talks to play Blade again? I would like that. Yeah, I
1: like. Blade. Would you want? And I like would Wesley you want, Snipes.
0: Would you want a movie, or would you want like a Punisher esque TV show? Oh, dude, a Punisher esque Blade TV show would be so awesome. With like an oldened Wesley Snipes, where I think he could be like training a new vampire hunter that would be awesome and still
1: have him kick a little bit of ass here oh, and yeah, there. Yeah, yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah no that'd, that'd be awesome i i've always been a blade fan mainly for the first two i there was a third one right
0: with ryan reynolds yeah
1: i never saw that one but i i i <laughs> love the first one when it came out and i've always been a fan of uh snipes's acting I, th- I thought he was always a fun
0: action star yeah um went to jail for his taxes tax evasion yeah it's serious matter, kids. Don't do it. Uh, didn't Martha
1: Stewart as well?
0: I don't know. Probably. I think she, she went to jail.
1: I knew that. I, th- yeah. I thought it was for that. Maybe it was for something equally as pedestrian and yeah. mu- and mundane. Yeah. But um, and, <laughs> t- sorry, Mund- that has no- <laughs> nothing to do with.
0: Yeah,
1: nothing to do with Wesley Snipes as, pl- as playing Blade. Uh, I would like that.
0: Yeah. Well, that is it for news. Uh, I mean, there's not really much we could. Really play on that because he's not confirmed, so yeah, nothing else there. But it's cool. Uh, yeah, uh, that is it for news. As we go into this main topic, which uh, I'm excited you brought to the forefront.
1: Yeah, um, I really, I really uh, was thinking about what draws me to the characters that I'm most interested in, and I think for me, it's always wanting to delve into a different type of psychological profile for, you know different it's for me it's delving into different types of characters and and yeah. and, and, d- and digging into their psychological mm-hmm. profile
0: and who they are yeah but some people them.
1: yeah but some people i've noticed it's not about variety which is what what i like they are, they gravitate towards the edgy character or the patriotic character or the boy scout or detectives or uh, people, people these days are loving their celestials. I mean, I know that's. I know, I know more people now who are into people like uh, or characters like Galactus and Thanos, and you know the, mm-hmm. the big baddies yeah. now more than ever. And I think it's just because they're you know becoming more popular in the movies. Yes, or not not more popular, more more uh, known, more known, more of a plot point. That, mm-hmm. I don't know. It took me a long time to get out. <laughs> it's fine. But yeah, so I, I like variety in my characters, and I was just thinking about like the Punisher's uh, ethics and his code versus, like, say Superman's, yeah, or Batman's or Wolverine's. They all have their own uh, code and their own ethics, and I think that affects the stories and what's in them. And uh, I was curious what compels you to read, like. Which well, type of character, or are yeah. you are you like me where you like that variety?
0: Well, it depends on the mood. I mean, like, me too. there will be moods where it's just like I want to read someone beating the crap out of people, mm-hmm. and I'm most likely going to read Wolverine or Punisher with that one. It's like that satisfying justice, mm-hmm. uh, or I want to read a story with super flawed characters. Um, like Punisher, like Punisher or Wolverine. No, I, uh, <laughs> no, um, just characters who have, who are either just mentally unstable or they have mental issues, and so the way that they interact with the world in these stories is unique, and yes. and it brings a different perspective when you are dealing with people in the real world, like especially when they dive into bad bad guys, Mm -hmm. just like the evil villain characters and exploring their past and their history and their character and why they are what they are. It's why I love the character Doom, Dr. Doom, is because he has seen every reality. Mm -hmm. He has seen every reality, and the only realities that survive are the ones where he is in Control. He's a great example of this. I like this. You go go
1: into yeah. a Doctor Doom, uh, uh segment. I'd yeah. like to hear you do a Doctor and so, Doom segment.
0: And so there's so many things of like, oh, that could just be the arrogance, that's his ego. Where in his mind he says, oh, I, the only ones that like succeed are the ones I'm in charge of. Like he could say that. A lot of villains have said that, but he has seen it, and that to me that is. So much more. Like, it brings so much more to the character. Someone who sees his arrogance justified.
1: Meaning that it's not just arrogance for the sake of it. He knows it's for this very, very specific purpose.
0: Which amplifies it even more. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that is just so interesting. I think that's really cool. And the way he interacts with people in the world, you can tell he's not, like, the twirly mustache Villain, because he doesn't just go around killing people. Like, he is very methodical about what he does. He mm-hmm. rules his own country, where people, until, like, they, it was a tyrant, like, it, he was a tyrant, and it was a, a uh, it was, what starts with a D? It was Dictator. Dictator, yeah. like, it was a dictatorship. Mm-hmm. But they... St- they still prospered under his rule. Like, that was one thing that was really big with his characters. His his citizens never revolted because they never saw a need to. Uh-huh. Uh, but he, he interacts with Reed Richards, the person he hates the most. Reed Richards' daughter calls him Uncle Doom. Like, he has a relationship with... Uh, reads Reads kids of respect and people he actually cares about a little, Uh, and this is this is even explored further with Thanos in the Infinity War movie, where when he kills Gamora, the only reason that is able to happen, I think a lot of people, I hope a lot of people saw this and didn't just go, well, he didn't like he wouldn't sacrifice something if he didn't love her. Or like if he actually loved her, and it's like that's not true. Like the thing about that stone is it only worked if you truly gave up something you cherished most, and that is what he did. And that it exemplified even more that he loved Gamora. Like that's true. Yeah, he no, I, I agree. With loved that. Gamora, and her trying to take him down was a disappointment. It hurt him. As a, as a father figure that he saw as his daughter. Right. Um, because he thought he had, that his morals and his ethics that he had done transferred to her. He thought he she agreed with him. And when all this started happening, it hurt him to see he doesn't have that love for Nebula. No. Like, you see that. To the no. point where he's willing to torture her to get information. Mm-hmm. Like, he doesn't have that at all, even though Nebula is his daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's things like that where I I think Thanos Thanos is another is another case, especially in the movie. I don't know so much about in the comics. In the comics, Thanos is shown more as straight up evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the movie, does that
1: bother you that he's not that way
0: in this? No, I think it's better because it shows less of a evil like the take of the world evil mastermind mm-hmm. it's he has he has reasons for doing it do you think that's
1: a big difference between comic book characters in the 21st century versus prior well that's the thing is I think people and why nowadays folks are so into villains
0: yeah and because before when comics were being made who is the biggest bad guy what's that when, what's when comics were first coming out Oh, you always have
1: mad scientists and stuff. But I mean, like,
0: in the real world. who is the biggest bad
1: guy? Oh, originally, of course, like, Hitler. It was Hitler. And so you
0: had these dictators who... Had no redeeming qualities, essentially. (laughs) Yes. From what we see as, like, I'm not advocating for Hitler or anything (laughs) like that. Are you sure? But but especially us in the 21st century uh, who weren't around in the 40s, like, we do not know Hitler. Like, we do not know adolf hitler we didn't know him personally and so what we have is a historical painted bad guy yeah evil takeover the world mastermind a lot of what he said in speeches proved a lot of it oh Um, yeah his philosophy and his thinking were definitely uh around that logic with like eugenics and all of that where it's just like kill off a certain group so that way a superior group can rise. Uh, it is very it inspired a lot of evil mastermind comic book characters. Oh yeah uh, What we have now in comics, especially around the 80s and 90s with comics, is you have writers who are taking that that evil mastermind world takeover character and they're diving, Even more into the character They're going behind Where now people are saying Like I always see those Those memes where it's like The way someone treats an animal Says a lot about their character Mm -hmm. And then you see pictures Of Hitler Who loved animals And so It has this aspect that we try to take We try to dehumanize The monsters Of the world so that way they, became, they can become that take of the world evil mastermind. And what people in the 80s and 90s started doing with their villains is they started to humanize. They started to take away that dehumanization of those characters and go, okay, what brought them to this place? What What was the father telling the son that he's... Not going to be able to go into art school because he's bad at painting, mm-hmm. and that is that is well known in the world. Like that happened to Hitler, that he wanted to be an artist, and then his dad forced him not to go to art school. I actually didn't know that. I knew and he was so, a painter. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't know that his dad discouraged him. And so him. there's that there's that aspect of if he went to art school would have, it, have been a different story. Uh, not saying that that's a tragedy. You're not justifying that is justified. Uh, it's just stuff that people in the '80s and '90s, and especially now in the 2000s, and in movies, that people started exploring more. With Thanos, I'm, with Thanos and Infinity War, it's not justifying what he did in my mind. It is why he did, why he, what he did, and the reason he did what he did is because on his planet, he gave them an option to do it. They didn't do it, and his planet died. Right. And so he then started going to other planets and started doing it and the planet started to prosper. So he saw in his mind this was the I right have, thing to do. I have I have one way of doing this and it works. Yes. And I'm going to keep doing it. And I want the universe to thrive and to be prosperous. So my ultimate goal is to do this with the universe as a whole. Um and that whole aspect is even more amplified in his thought process of randomized that it's not just the poor who are being killed off so that the rich can do stuff or the rich who are being killed off. So the poor have a chance. It is a randomized, it is a randomized thing, um, that it happens. And so there's no bias, uh, that whoever is left, it is left up to them to prosper, um, for, for their life. Do you think that writing
1: villains in this way is the reason why nowadays you're seeing so many more people with favorite characters who are the the, the villains and not just the good guys? Yes, it's because they enjoy pulling back the layers of each character and digging in.
0: That and on top of actors, actors who can do a good job at portraying their character is key. Um, That's true. Number 1 being the Joker. For, There's been a lot of good Darn-
1: villains over the past 15 years yeah. in movies. There have been a but, lot of bad ones too, but.
0: Yes. But for Batman 1989 and The Dark Knight, mm-hmm. the two actors they got to play the Joker, even though there wasn't a lot of depth to that character, he's mm-hmm. chaos. Like, that mm-hmm. is his, that's as deep as he goes in those movies. It was, it's just chaotic. Like, he is kind of the evil of all evils just because of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the actors who play him bring a charismatic side to it where you're yeah. you're entertained and you want to see more of it. Yes. That is key as well. And so you have that with Josh Brolin with Thanos, but you also have that intricate backstory. The same goes with Loki Absolutely. where Tom Hiddleston is a charismatic char- actor who has that tragedy of a backstory of being lied to his entire life. Uh, so those two things – I would say is what makes the character great. You can have really good bad guys. I will say James Spader's Ultron was charismatic, drew me in, but ultimately the character was bland. Like there was nothing to the character. And so by the end of the movie, I was bored with him. I enjoyed him at first. It was really good all the way up until pretty much the middle of everything with him. And I was just like, I don't even care anymore. Uh, to me, that's that's where it falls flat. You can have a charismatic actor all you want, but if the character, if that charismatic actor cannot bring anything out of that character, you're you've got nothing. You got nothing. I think the key to a good character, and yeah, you're you're right.
1: I, th- I think I think the key to having um, that compelling quality in a character. Um, and their ethics or their, or their, their values or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think the key is the conviction. Yes. Like, so it doesn't yeah, really I think matter. That's what I was trying to get at. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I know some people who like, we've mentioned on the show before people who like, Oh, Superman, just this boy scout. He's boring. He's too, this, he's got conviction. Yeah. And that's always had a lot of, that's always where a, a lot of the strong emotional pull comes from. Because a lot of Superman's struggles were emotional. Yes. And having to deal with, he's basically immortal, Mm -hmm. but he's had to deal with so many close people dying. Yeah. So I I think it's not about like, oh, is this character edgy? Is this character clean? Is this character the perfect balance? It's how do they handle it? Yes. And that's why I think Batman has worked so well. Is because there's because they they always they always reiterate his code. Yes, even though he's come damn close to breaking it a couple times, Mm -hmm.
0: but I I think that's what gives me issue with DC right now, and it's what it's what bothered me so much about the end of Wonder Woman is because that the whole movie is about faith. And what you believe in, Mm -hmm. and your convictions and your moral moral code, and then at the very end, she beats Ares with the power of love, and it's just like—and then there's the whole spiel at the end with love when when she's like, when she's like, and all that really matters is love. It's just like, okay, that's a good theme. That wasn't the theme you had. That wasn't the theme for the whole movie. And that's what, to me, that's. What ruined it It's just like I get that he said he loved her As he's flying away in the plane But to me it would have been Better If he Didn't say I love you That if he got in the plane And he died And then In that moment Is when she realized What, what actual love was When he dies of this romantic love, this yearning for a partner, uh, and that is now gone. And that, like, that draws out even more. I, like, I could have seen that then, but to me, it just, like, everything happens so fast and then it's just like, oh, I love you, I love you too. It's like, okay, well, this is generic and used in every single movie ever. Yeah. And then, then it's like the whole movie is about belief and... You know, faith and having the faith in war is what powered Aries, and ah, uh, and then she's like, Oh, but I did it because of love, and I was just like, What?
1: It's uh, there's it's a, just there's, out there's of nowhere, there's
0: a disconnect,
1: yes, uh, like the the the. The conviction has to be the, the the conviction the conviction of the character is what gives mm-hmm. the theme meaning. Yes, and when that's kind of derailed, derailed. When that's <laughs> when that's derailed, uh, it's just kind of like, wait, what? Yeah, and that's one of the flaws of Wonder Woman. I always thought was that that ending part where she mm-hmm. says, "Oh, it's you know, all yeah. you need is love." A, you're turning into a Beatles song out of nowhere. I know, <laughs> and then b you're missing the point of the theme that you already set up which yeah. is faith and i guess faith hope and love are all kind of wrapped you know together i guess in yeah in the spiritual realm but it's like it's you're but still kind like, of you're, you're missing the mark you're talking about romantic love
0: but like the whole the whole versus faith it's yes. it's two separate I, principles like what really needed to be pointed out is that the whole movie she has this mentality of man's world is evil. And there's no there's no hope. There's no faith in it at all because Ares is here. And if I kill Ares, that will be restored. And that's what she has faith in. And then she has this whole belief that this guy is Ares. She thinks the big bad is Aries. And so that drives her. And she goes and she kills the big bad. And he's not Ares. He's just a dude doing what he's, you know, trained to do. Mm-hmm. And he's following orders from Germany. And in that moment, it's supposed to be this, your belief was wrong. This was not Aries. You believed him to be Aries, and that is false. And what it should have been is that faith in humanity that she had seen through Chris Pine and his ragtag group of nobodies, that there was, even though there was evil and men were doing bad things that there was Chris Pine in his character and what his character was showing her throughout is that there is faith and there is good and there is hope. And that is what should have inspired her to be able to fight against Ares who was had this whole notion of there will always be war with man because there is no hope in that. Uh, And that's what it should have been is either, either one of the three Hope, faith, or belief, with which to me, belief is part of faith, but it just never once was about love And no. that's until the very end when Chris Pine dies, and that's where it bothers me the most. It's just like, what's the first two-thirds of this movie about?
1: Yeah. Like, why? I've noticed, we, man, we always seem to manage that U-turn back into writing flaws in movies we like. Yes. Or don't like. Yes. And we both well, we both I'm, loved Wonder Woman, or I loved Wonder Woman, despite like, despite I was very having a lot of flaws. But
0: yeah. I liked it, and it's very entertaining. It's definitely the best DC movie. Uh, I recommend it to people who want to see it. Oh yeah! I definitely tell them go see it. Uh, I don't look down on anyone who says they love Wonder Woman. Like, it's there, uh, but that's something I do with almost all the movies. Is I, I look at. I look at it as a whole instead of my time with it. And I analyze, I critique, and it's, I always do it. But if you had to answer this question
1: off the cuff, because, well, you do have to, because I'm doing it right now. Okay. Which character, as far as their code, who, uh-huh. who, who do you find the most relatable? A Spider Man. Spider Man? Yes. I knew you were going to say that.
0: <laughs> uh, because he's the ultimate good. Um, I mean, Superman's that Boy Scout hopeful good, but Spider-Man is vulnerable. And he's not immortal. And it's that, it's that duality of no matter what, no matter the situation, I want to go help, even if I know it's going to harm other aspects of my life. Mm-hmm. Because I want to put others first before me. With Superman, he still does that, but... He's Superman, so like he can go super fast. The stakes aren't as high for himself. Exactly. Uh, his his interests are in when people are able to manipulate him or harm him emotionally and stuff like that. whereas with Spider Man is like, I have to go to like I have to go to my college class, but there's a fire. I'm going to go and save the people in that fire and be late to my college class. Whereas with yeah. Superman,
1: classic Spider Man situation. Yes.
0: And I use that because that is like
1: most of Spider-Man. Most of Spider-Man.
0: <laughs> uh, but with Superman, he could just go do it and be a class.
1: Like, oh yeah, he he would he would go solve that problem. Yes. he'd fix that situation, and then he'd be there on time.
0: Yes. Uh, and that is that is something that I love about the character. And even though that the. Phrase was coined in the movie, it wasn't coined in the comics. With the great power comes great responsibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, it holds up so well. It's a great quote, yes, and
1: it's been paraphrased in so many movies since, yes.
0: and, and, and TV just, shows, and just life in general. Like, that should just be a mantra that a lot of people have. Uh, no, that whole aspect. And the tragedy that he has been through, and learning through that tragedy, and not letting that tragedy define him, mm-hmm. uh, really speaks well as a character with his moral code. Um, someone who is able to work with Deadpool, to work with Punisher, but bring them to the sense of "No, you will not kill anyone." Mm-hmm. Uh, really sticks out to me, and he cares about he cares about the people he fights. Uh, even though they've done terrible, like he didn't. Kill Our two G-
1: picks, their mortal codes are
0: so similar. Yeah, you're. Uh, keep but going. like, Green Goblin killed Gwen Stacy. Uh-huh. I don't like the The next snap was a thing, like with the web, but it was Green Goblin who killed Gwen Stacy, and Spider Man got close to killing him. It was the one of the only times he's ever gotten that close to killing him but he didn't it's because he didn't want he didn't want that to be him that that is who he is is the one who in revenge takes a life and it it speaks highly even if it's the person who has crushed and destroyed the most in his life mm-hmm. he wouldn't do that to another person um so it's that it's that moral ethics and it's something that i I will come back to you, really fast to see what yours is. Uh, that I was thinking about earlier today because I saw an article where it talked about the new Fantastic Four, the new run that's coming out, uh, where it talks about how it brings back the the values of superheroes. Like they, the Fantastic Four kind of like are the epitome of values in superheroes, and. It's something that I thought of as that I've talked about many times on the show here, but I'm a Christian and my values and morals through Christianity are going to be different. And it's something that I've I've struggled with because it goes, do I try to project this onto a character? Because that's going to be different than a character that has already come out saying that they're agnostic or atheist, which they have done with Reed Richards in. In uh, the Fantastic Four, which they've also done with Batman, and so it's this aspect of.
1: If I can't they d- remember ever having read a Batman title where he said he's agnostic, but I get the feeling that it was, Bruce. It was, I get the feeling that Bruce Wayne would be an agnostic. I it never, was
0: just. It was just announced by DC that Batman is an atheist. Is an atheist? Yeah, not even agnostic. Which is weird to me because he's met gods, so I don't know. I always see I.
1: That surprises me. I always saw Bruce Wayne as more of an agnostic.
0: Yeah, and then this is something we can talk about later. But, I mean, it kind of fits here. Uh, the thing that bugs me the most about them making Reed Richards that is that the Fantastic Four met the the one creator of them all or something like well, that. Well,
1: they met celestial
0: beings, well, they which met, are
1: basically supreme they beings. Met, they met Jack Kirby. <laughs> who,
0: which is, he's kind of their who god. Is, who is their god, who is their creator, yeah. So that that's what's weird to me. Um, but, you know, whatever. I think it's the non-religious aspect they're going for. Yeah. It's like these aren't people who follow a certain religion uh, and do a certain religious conduct. Mm-hmm. I think... Like, ah, but yeah, that yeah, that yeah. was something I had to think about and I had to realize is like, am I projecting my values onto this character when this character doesn't do something with my values and my morals? And this is a philosophy, like of all ages uh is does that mean they did wrong in the comics um yes but yeah
1: i think i am l- able to love characters that have those different sets of you know that that those different codes like i love the punisher the punisher is one of my all time favorite characters yeah but i always relate more to characters who are just you know a little less violent yeah just a little less out of control um no I was gonna say uh, Daredevil is he yours Daredevil's mine okay May, I mean obviously he's a Catholic I'm not a mm-hmm. Catholic but I yeah. am a believer and like we've said many times before the way he talks to his priest in the show has more to do or is, is has more in common with a uh a church member and their pastor. Yes. Because he doesn't just talk to him in confession.
0: They talk one-on-one one yeah.
1: on one a lot.
0: They've only talked once in confession. Right. Yeah. That's the beginning. Man, I was like, oh, you bring up Daredevil. I just,
1: <laughs> I but it's not, it's actually not really. Um, the show-based, it's the comic book-based? Well, I was just going to say it's not as it's not his Catholicism or his spirituality. Uh, it isn't his, it isn't his being involved in the church necessarily Mm -hmm. it's what that brings out which is the constant struggle between gosh i really really want to pummel this guy like Mm -hmm. like really like kill him yeah but can i do that yeah because there's there's moments where it's like you know he wants to or where he feels like he has no other choice
0: well when the purple man Oh. yeah for the for those who do not know well he it, feels bad
1: about hurting people the way he does too he doesn't because yes. he doesn't even want to to cripple them he doesn't yeah. want to do that yeah but he
0: <laughs> man and like that's what I love about the character and I love that they brought it to the show is it's in the moment his it even is brought in with his family history in the moment he's going to go bat to bat like he is going to He's going to give it his all, mm-hmm. and he takes himself out of the situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but after that, afterwards, it it riddles him with guilt. Yeah. Um, and are, it, and for, from
1: for some like twisted reason, I like that. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, it's it's showing you a character. Once again, we talked about the the mood. Like I have these moods where I want that character. Yep. And that's the flawed character I'm talking about, where he just, you know, goes all out. But he has these hesitations and he has these moments of weaknesses where he realizes, like, I'm going too far. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then, like, I need my Spider-Man moments. I need this fun, like, I'm playing the Spider-Man game, which, for those who do not know, is incredible. It's awesome. It's everything I need from Spider-Man. And also the amazing Spider-Man comic that's being written by Nick Spencer is also really good. And it's like, this is a good moment for Spider-Man right now. Uh, I'm really enjoying pretty much everything Spider-Man, once again, where I wasn't before. Good. Uh, but I need those moments. I need that Peter Parker. I need that, that that quirky Spider-Man who's going to throw out quips that annoy everyone. But in the moment... Will be the most reliable character you need, mm-hmm. and it's the same with thing with Nightwing. Like, I will read a Nightwing comic when I need a character who trusts and believes in everyone, and that everyone else trusts and believes in. So, would it be fair to say that you like characters that have spirit? Correct.
1: You like you you like that spirit.
0: Spirit and optimism. Yeah, are the two that I like. Those are those are characters that reenergize me. But then I also need my like I need my broken characters. Like I need to read these characters. I need to feel for these characters. Uh, like, Swamp thing. Swamp thing. Swamp thing is is a broken character. Yeah. Uh, same thing with like Ghost Rider. Like I need those characters mm. uh, to feel for. What I don't need. Are characters <laughs> with empty agendas? Yeah. Uh, where how aggravating is that? Where it's not the character's ethic code, but the current writer who is writing them with their ethic code. That is what I don't need at all. Yeah. Where that's ugh. where it's a character who has never cared about this stuff and who all is of a sudden caring about it. Yeah. Or you have now ruined something about a character in the past because of something you brought up and this I will use for the uh mockingbird mockingbird in the comics recently she wore the she wore the shirt that says like it was something about feminism it, it was a huge like controversy and everything big statement yeah and my issue wasn't with the shirt. It is with the, it's with how they handled the character. And my biggest thing is, in the story, her original past is that she was a victim of sexual assault and rape. And she killed her rapist. And it was a big thing between her and Hawkeye, because they were a thing at the time. They were married, I think. And he couldn't forgive her for killing someone. And it's this aspect of, Hawkeye, you don't understand what she went through. Like, yes, she did something wrong. But in that whole moment, everything, and a lot of people would agree with her, everything she did was justified with what she went through. And they took that, and they didn't want to have her character be that. And so she wasn't raped or sexually assaulted. Uh, she was... Uh, it was a... She cheated. She had an affair and she regretted it. And to me, that ruins everything. Because That's worse. Because now what you're saying is people who are survivors who have gone through that aren't strong. Like, it had this whole mentality that, oh, a superhero would never get go through some because you know a man wouldn't go through that and so we need to have a female superhero who can go through that and that bothers me so much cuz not only that but now she's in the wrong like yeah you're making her a less admirable character yes. and it was this whole thing about to me it hurt feminism because i am a person who that's like, so
1: strange i am
0: a person that's who wild. will defend feminism feminism when i think it's like maybe it's cuz my opinion of what i think it is yeah. is wrong uh but when i believe in what it's fighting for like that when you just throw it because it needs to happen because it didn't happen in the past that's when it bothers me mm-hmm. and and when it's willy-nilly just thrown in without thinking about the past or the character in the past because you the continuity want, of the character yes, because you want to you want to amplify what you're trying to say. That's when it bothers me, and that's when the writer is getting in and trying to shove their ethics in. Yeah,
1: when they're, tr- they're basically trying to write in their own ideas of what's yeah. right and wrong, not the character's code.
0: Correct. Yeah. Now, two characters were, who are very strong female characters that I've never had an issue with and I think do well for feminism... Our Miss Marvel, uh, who is, um, I will always say this, because she's awesome, Kamala Khan, like, not only is she a strong, independent female, (laughs) uh, she's a main character, and uh, she does incredibly well. Um, I had another... Well, Wonder Woman is the other one. Like, Wonder Woman is... She is, to me... She's the best at it because she doesn't take anything from anyone, and she comes from a place where women are strong, and mm-hmm. so you can believe in women. And I loved it in I just read Wonder Woman Earth One, which is a really good read by Grant Morrison, and they have Oh the, Morrison wrote that one, yeah. Nice. And it, it has this aspect where one Wonder Woman is is has this whole mentality that women need to be saved from men and all of this. Uh, And what happens in the story is when she interacts with the women on Earth, like, one of the first people that she interacts with, and this is Wonder Woman where she's, like, a teenager, uh, like, late teens, like, 1920, interacts with a sorority. Like and one of these one of the the girls and the women here become her friend like she's the one that she's starting to understand things from more uh it doesn't hurt her character like that the sorority isn't worse because they aren't like the people on Themiscara like and that's one of the things is the the women on Themyscira have this like, oh, men are evil, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, women are stronger without men, this whole mentality. And then it shows um, they bring in the women from non Themiscara who have had men in their life and they're like, oh, they're weak because they depend on them. Mm. And it shows this mentality of, no, we're, like, we may be weak because we're not, you know, Amazons, but we're strong-willed. Like, just because there are men and just because we love men doesn't mean that we are weaker for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it brought, like, they brought in, uh, um, what's his name? The Her love interest. Steve Trevor. Steve, Steve Trevor. Trevor, yeah, my and, bad. And they have this whole mentality of, like, oh, do you think, yeah you know, women are weak and Steve Trevor's like, no <laughs> he's mm-hmm. just like he's like, no, like I think she could handle anything that she wanted to mm-hmm. like and it has this mentality of like yes, people in power use that power and they they will have qualities that will subjugate other people and so when you have men in power who are who are using subjects and creating subjects in women it may seem like all men are like this where they are a minority in my opinion where oh, yeah. just like i won't say every woman hates men like there's there's that whole thing like hating men and like making fun of men and bringing men down it's like i don't think that yeah, I I don't think the majority of women do that. I think it's a minority. Uh, it's just the same. When I see, I hear so many cases of of women being mistreated by men, and then I know that it's a versus a majority. It's a minority, and I'm not downplaying what they've gone through. I think it's stuff that needs to be handled. It needs to be seen. It's why I supported, not, essentially, the Me Too movement, but what it what it stood for, mm-hmm. because I the person who started that movement is not a great person, but what it stood for, uh, and what it did to Hollywood, I think, is incredible, uh, because it's something that everyone has known about and no one's done anything about, mm-hmm. uh, and I just went on a huge tirade about (laughs) one thing. But no, and so just bringing that and forcing it into comics and forcing it onto characters that you're writing at the time because it's what you want to talk about. Create a character to do that. Do not change entire character's history and who they are and what they've been through just because you want to say one thing or you disagree with, with what they went through. I, the, I definitely packs. agree with that. You change, have,
1: changing a character's history because it better suits your purpose and your agenda and what you want to say yeah. is really cheap writing. I yeah, don't, I don't and even it.
0: more so on the – I've seen this a lot of I don't agree like, or I don't like what happened there, so I want to change it. Mm-hmm. It's like – don't change it. Have the character face it. Like, have them go through it like we do in life. We can't just change what happened to us. Mm. And it's why whenever people bring up things where it's like, oh, they did this 15 years ago. And so, like, I'm a different person than I was three years ago. Yeah. And, yeah. I like, I like to think that I try to better myself day by day. Like, I want to become a better person. I want to do better things. And so to change or judge something off of someone did years ago that they haven't done or shown any uh, evidence or any, like, percentage of their life of doing again, and they've shown a growth and drawing away from that, to me is... Do we focus on that thing they did so long ago? Or do we find pride in humanity as a whole of them trying to better themselves instead of falling deeper into that hole? Uh, and that's the same with characters. Like, instead of focusing on what that one character did, which is has ruined Ant-Man, it has ruined Ant-Man because they have focused on that one slap... The slap heard around the world uh with um pim Hank pim mm-hmm. uh and it's just it's something that instead of focusing on making the character better and having him deal with that and moving on, mm-hmm. they focus so much on that, and that happened so long ago uh, and there are characters that I agree. It's interesting when they don't grow out of that. Like, they don't face that wrong because there's people in the world who don't face that wrong. And so, but you have to have that balance. Yeah. And you can't just go back and rewrite something because, I mean, you can, but I, I I lose respect for you as a writer when you want to do that because you disagree with what happened back then.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean... Hank Pym having done that, it's part of him being a flawed character, and it's just part of the arc of that character. And it is kind of an unfortunate thing, because, you know, Ant-Man's a pretty cool character, I think, and seeing the movies has made me want to get into reading some of the comics. Obviously, Rudd isn't Hank, but Hank Hank Pym is in the movies. Yes. Um,
0: But uh, Scott Lang, for those who do not know, is Paul Rudd's character. Paul Rudd plays that character perfectly. Like, he he is Scott Lang. I don't really know anything about Scott Lang, but
1: I love the way Paul Rudd plays that character.
0: Yes. So I would say, do you have any more to say about any of this? As far as
1: superheroes ethics, I mean, we touched on a lot of cool stuff, I thought, but um, just bringing it back to home, I think... I think it comes down to serving the character, not yourself as a writer. Yeah, yeah. And that's where, I don't know. I try not to be too critical of people who are obviously better at things than I am. Like, I, I could never just...
0: Write a story r- like that. Yeah. Well,
1: yeah. I could never write a huge uh, arc and then expect it to be as good as, like, Grant Morrison mm-hmm. or expect it to be as good as Mark Wade, But... When it comes to being self-serving, I think you can criticize people for that. Writers who are self-serving. And
0: to me it comes down to this is the difference between DC, Marvel, and Image. If it's an Image comic, I I really have no issue because that is their creation and what they're putting out. It's their own thing. Mm -hmm. But these people at DC and Marvel are being hired. They're being paid to put out entertainment of creations other people have made. And to me, it's it's weird how in the entertainment industry, we have that standard of, well, it's like, well, can you do better? And then it's like, well, no. It's like, well, then what gives you the right to say that? It's like, this is their job. Like, this is what they – like, I have paid them to do. Like, and essentially with entertainment industry is we have paid them uh, – other people pay them, but, like, we pay into this industry, and so we expect a certain result. Actually, I've, It's like when yeah. people make washers and dryers, and your washer machine stops working after a year or two, and you find out, well, they could have done this better. I don't know how to do that better, but other people do. You don't say, yeah, well, you can't do it, so deal with it. That's true. You go and you you go and you don't buy their stuff anymore. And when you talk to people about buying that stuff, you let them know about what happened. And so that's that's the way I am with writers.
1: Like I think for me it's also, there is a loyalty that I think uh, writers should have to the character and to the character's fan base. So here's the analogy that I would make. So a band or a, let's say a songwriter in their early... Days, they're finding themselves, and they, you know, they release their first album or their first and second, and they they cultivate a a fan following. Mm -hmm. Now, there's something to be said for being true to oneself and doing what you want to do. But once you have these people who have shown you loyalty and love, you kind of you do owe it to them to some extent to give them a re- something in return.
0: Yeah, and there's and keep them interested. And there I can do, be a and, there can be a critique in that. Like yeah. if you are a band who starts phony it in. Yeah. Uh or doing or doing a total 180 on
1: your fan base. I'll yeah. give for a drastic example, like if at some point into, you know, halfway through their career nine inch nails decided they wanted to do reggae i mean that if hypothetically if they had done that that would be a crappy move to put on your fans who expect something from you because they've shown you loyalty yeah and i feel like um there are writers who haven't been loyal to the fan base of the characters
0: yes it's and just expect people to be okay with it. it's the same thing this is you know showing the bands i've listened to uh but with like Newsboys uh the band Newsboys mm-hmm. they lost their lead singer he went off and did something else and they brought in Michael Tate and then Michael Tate like ruined he ruined everything like he brought in his own style and made Newsboys his own style and it's like well this isn't Newsboys anymore and to you could me- also
1: blame the band for not breaking up and Doing it in good taste yes. and just letting it die. Yeah. Let and the
0: past die. Let the past die. Uh no, it's but that to me that's just the example of someone who should have come in, looked at the past, looked yeah. at what they were doing, tried to go further with that, but instead brought his own thing, which is all fairness, he can do. But when people critique it and say this is what was done wrong, mm-hmm. that is also in all fairness. Yeah. Um, That's all I have to say about
1: it. That's all I have to say, too. I think that pretty much sums it up. Yeah.
0: Uh, Favorite recent reads for you? uh, Amazing Spider Man 1, 2, 3, and 4 by Nick Spencer. Really good. Brought the character back home. Um, They're dealing with an interesting plot right now that is semi close to Clone Saga, but not as bad. Clone Saga? Yeah, where he was cloned and created uh the Scarlet Spider. Oh, okay. Uh it's you one have it's, it's, that it's before, notorious but- for being really bad. Okay. Uh So in the comics right now there was a particle, it was like a it was like a D particle accelerator. Like he was the spider that bit him was radioactive and had gone through experiments. Mhm. This was an experiment to reverse that. And so what happened is it created another Spider-Man. And who was Spider-Man? Like he had the powers and then there's Peter Parker and Peter Parker lost his powers. And so right now there's Peter Parker and there's Spider-Man. And Spider-Man doesn't have all the responsibility and all of this that Peter Parker does. And so he does hero work, but he tries to benefit off of all of it. Ooh. Uh, so it's actually been really interesting that sounds pretty dope uh, and then Mary Jane and Peter are back together for the first time in like 10 years yeah uh, you
1: mentioned that one a couple episodes ago I think. yeah
0: so it was really good and it was handled really well cool
1: is that about it then yeah folks I think we're done yeah that's episode 70
0: we'll see you later thank my you broskies all. thank you all for listening you <laughs>